doesn't seem to be answering his prayers. All in all, it has really caused me to reflect about roller coasters. We'll come back to that story in a minute, but let's consider theme parks for a minute first. In my experience, people tend to fall into one of two categories. It's a bit like a Marmite thing, really. You either love them or you hate them. So I thought we'd do a straw poll, poll this morning. Hands up if you love roller coasters. Mm, not that many people, actually. Used to. Ah, that's interesting. Very interesting. So hands up if you love them. Oh, very good, very good. There are one or two people who are sitting on the fence, I think. I, I, actually, I'm in the can't stand them camp, just to let you know where I stand. Unlike my children and my husband, who absolutely love them. <laughs> yeah, that's right, well off the list. <laughs> Want to give away. Once, when I was head of modern languages a long time ago, I took a group of 210 year eights, that's 12 year olds thereabouts, to Euro Disney. We lived in Kent, so it wasn't that big a deal, but um, um, it was a reward for a year of really hard work, and we had a marvellous time. They persuaded me to join them in the queue for a ride, which they were sure I would love. It's just a little train miss, they said. I guess I should have known from its name they weren't being entirely truthful. Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom doesn't really sound awfully relaxing to me on reflection, but anyhow, after queuing for three quarters of an hour, I don't know if you've been to these places, but the queue winds, so you can't tell quite how long it is. Three quarters of an hour, there was no way back. It, there were hundreds of people there, and the ride came into sight right in front of me. It did a 360 degree loop right there. There was nothing I could do. I was utterly horrified. The ride itself was actually quite short compared to the queue, but I spent the whole time simply wishing it was over and thinking to myself, how did I land up in this place? At the beginning of our reading, I suspect David is having much the same kind of thoughts. Let's turn back to the story of his roller coaster life and see what we can learn from it this morning. We'll hop about a little bit to give us context. So over the last few weeks, we've followed young David's life through its ups and downs, its unexpected twists and turns. I'm sure you remember he was the youngest of eight sons from a humble family in the tribe of Benjamin. Not a particularly auspicious start, really. Anyone who has older brothers and sisters can imagine growing up with David. Imagine how many times he heard the phrase, you've got it so easy when I was your age. Sent out to look after the sheep and run errands, he must have felt completely unimportant, overlooked even. In fact, you can hear the pain of the youngest child when he exclaims to his brothers in chapter 17, what have I done now? It was only a question. We reflected a couple of weeks ago with Tim 
about the episode with Goliath. And we noticed that it was in the wilderness surroundings of his shepherding days where nobody was watching, that he, and he was really rather bored very often, that he learned how to fight, how to be skilled with simple weapons, and how to take on opponents that were larger and more fierce than him. He saw God at work in private long before he entered the public arena. God prepared him by showing the young shepherd boy his faithful provision and life-saving protection so that in other circumstances he had absolute certainty of God's faithful care. The Lord who saved me from the paw of the lion and the bear will save me from the hand of this Philistine, he says of his encounter with Goliath. He's not afraid because he's seen God at work on his behalf in daunting circumstances before. In the wilderness, that harsh, boring, lonely place, he served an apprenticeship not to prepare him for shepherding, but to prepare him to be a king in the service of the king of all kings. He said to Goliath, I don't know if you noticed, you come to me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. His quiet, private walk with God has given him a very big idea of who God really is. And that's where his confidence lies. The story of David's roller coaster life challenges me to reflect on how big my God is. How about you this morning? How big is your God? The encounter with Goliath catapulted him from the wilderness to the palace, from anonymity to fame, from poverty to relative ease of life. He must have felt on top of the world for that short season. And then the roller coaster of his life judders back into action and he finds himself, through no fault of his own, an outlaw on the run back in the wilderness, thrown back on God's mercy for his very survival. In today's reading, we find David in darkness, cowering at the back of a cave, a cave that was to become a toilet, no less. Imagine it, damp, cold, dark. He wasn't alone, but the ramshackle bunch of 600 people he's said to be with were in a worse state than him. There was no way out. He was undoubtedly in a tricky spot. I expect they'd gone in there to hide, hoping upon hope that Saul and his 3,000 crack troops would march on by. I expect they couldn't believe this twist of the roller coaster that brought Saul into their cave to use the toilet. I really think David 
must have said to himself, really? This is not what being anointed as king was supposed to look like. I wonder if he felt cross with God. I wonder if he shouted at him, I never asked to be anointed. He had followed wherever God led. And yet, even so, life was not plain sailing. He had to flee, and here he is at the back of a royal toilet. I wonder if you've ever found yourself in circumstances that are far from perfect, struggling to know how to cope with a situation that is not even of your own making. Have you ever thought, God, this just isn't fair? It's not what I thought I was signing up to. If so, you're not on your own. David's roller coaster life has much to teach anyone who finds themselves in challenging situations. There is no small amount of irony in Saul choosing David's cave to make himself vulnerable in. And David's men immediately see how David can take advantage of the situation. The men interpret the situation in their own favor. But there is something really important to note here. We're around about uh, verse 4. God is never recorded as saying, as the men quote to David, I will give into your hands to do unto him as it seems good to you. He doesn't ever say that. He promised to make David king, but he said nothing about David doing whatever he wanted. God often did give David victory over his enemies, but that was because he gave God honor above all things and kept him in his rightful place. The men here, are giving themselves permission, justifying a course of action that will make their own lives easier. Now, we all know that people look in on our lives, and they will have a view on what they see. They may or may not understand our motivation, what makes us tick. But what matters is not really what people say to you or about you but rather the place you give God in your life. It's very easy, actually, to be seduced by your own publicity. It's very appealing to think that you might have been such a good girl, such an awesome chap, that in this one circumstance, God will allow you to do this thing or that thing. Have you ever found yourself justifying something that really doesn't honor God at all? We must always question ourselves. Above all, does this thing honor God? If I behave in this way, is it according to his word? I love this story about David because he really shows his humanity. 
we get a peep into the wrestle that's within him and is within us all, all the time. Do we honour God or do we take the easy route and please ourselves? If you're a fan of Marvel superheroes, as we are in my house, you will know that Spider-Man 3 is all about this very question. We all have good and bad in us. And that film explores the battle between the darker and the lighter side of our nature. Which one will win? Which will have the upper hand? It is true that God had promised to bless David and to make him king. But the symbolic nature of creeping up, which I find hard to imagine, but that's what the story tells us happened. He creeps up and slices off the corner of Saul's robe. It's like staging a coup, really. It represents seizing power from him. And David knows that it's not right. It is always hard to wait for God to move on your behalf. But David knows for his own reign to be worth anything at all, it must be in God's time and in God's way. Sometimes God's best for our life requires us to wait for him to act. And that is really not always easy. In spite of his current predicament, David feels that in creeping up and slicing off the corner of the king's robe, he has succumbed to the temptation of trying to sort things out for himself. He feels he's failed to honour God and he's full of remorse. For David, the anointed one of the Lord, that's Saul, must be dealt with by the Lord himself. And at this stage, he is still David's master until God makes it otherwise. There are times when it's tempting for any believer to help God along with his plans, as it were. When waiting for him is not so appealing and sorting something out for yourselves seems like a much preferable idea. David here shows great strength of character and deep faith. No doubt, to the astonishment of his men, David will not harm Saul. And when Saul goes out of the cave and is at a safe distance, David appeals to him. It was indeed a God-given opportunity, just as his men had thought but not one in which to take matters into his own hands and murder the king, thus basing his reign on a sinful act from the very start. Rather, he shows beyond doubt that David meant no harm to Saul. David demonstrated that even given the opportunity, he had no desire to harm the king. Actions speak louder than words they say i wonder do our actions speak louder than our words
Do we live and share the good news of the gospel in the way we live and the choices we make daily? Do the people who live alongside us, who work with us, day by day, see that we honour God in everything we do? Do they see the saving love of Jesus for all men and women in our lives? Even the best of us make bad choices sometimes. And David models here how to handle things when we realize we've gone astray. It doesn't matter how far away from God we've turned. If we say we're sorry and return to him, God will welcome us. There are ups and downs, twists and turns in everyone's life. David here is cowering at the back of a deep, dark cave. He feels he has his back to the wall and he's got nowhere to go. We might well identify with that feeling this morning. It might have seemed to David that he'd been abandoned by God. But even here in this dark and scary place, God speaks to him. Not in words or a letter, not in a five-point action plan with strategic objectives laid out in glossy print to tell him what to do, but in the quiet witness of his own heart. The voice he learned to discern while tending the sheep in the wilderness in his youth spoke up when he wasn't looking for it. He spoke up and guided his hand because even out of context, a voice you know really well speaks to you and stirs your heart. David's repentance allowed God to use him and bless him in the future. If that is truly our heart's desire for ourselves and for this community here, then there are some things we can learn from this story in David's life today. One, we can switch on. We can make a choice to let God be the bedrock of all the plans we have for the future. It might be challenging. It might require us to stand against the wisdom of our age. But God promises his people if they humble themselves and pray and seek his face, then he will forgive their sin and heal their land. That's from Chronicles. 2 Chronicles 7 verse 14. What a beautiful thought. The way to see this city healed, this building full of people praising God might not be through clever schemes and slick campaigns. It might require nothing more than our humble repentance and prayer before God will move. Secondly, we can tune in. David set off down the wrong path, I guess responding to peer pressure in that dark cave with all those frightened men who wouldn't. But he had practiced 
listening to God and his heart was really sensitive to that feeling of discomfort because he'd actually departed from what was right. He listened attentively to what God was saying in his heart. He tuned in to that still, small voice. And he could do that in a crisis because he had built a habit of listening into his life in the wilderness. He knew the voice he was listening for. Do we? Do we take time daily to be still before God and see what he has to say about our day? It's not easy, but it is important. We can't expect to hear him in a crisis if we don't stop to listen to him day to day. He might well be speaking, but if we don't recognize the sound of his voice, how will we ever know? Thirdly, I think David shows us that we can step up. David shows great courage. He's always willing to admit his mistakes, lay down his plans and say sorry to God. He does make mistakes constantly, actually. He's very human. But here he shows how willing he is to lay aside his own schemes and step forward for God to use him as he will. Are we willing to make God the bedrock of our lives as individuals and as a community? Will we give him free reign with our time, our talents, our resources? Will we step up and let him use us to craft his kingdom here in this part of Bath or indeed wherever he takes us? It's a choice we can all make. It doesn't mean we won't sometimes feel that we're in a dark cave with our backs to the wall. It doesn't mean we won't need courage to stand against what other people think is right. It doesn't mean we won't make mistakes from time to time. But David shows us we only need to switch on to tune in and to step up. Life does sometimes feel like a roller coaster, a scary one at that. But God is faithful. And with him in charge, it's an exciting ride. He invites us to climb on board. <laughs>